She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the reading of the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Joel and, and worship team and kids. Thank you. Let's, let's uh, give everyone another round of applause and just thank God for... Thank God for this time we get to be here together. Got some excited kids who weren't up here but uh, are very celebratory and uh, supportive. I love that, supportive siblings. Well, uh, again, as was said earlier, I want to just say welcome. We are so glad that, that you're here. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And I do want to let you know, I kind of out of the gates there, I have a stutter. It'll kind of come in and out as I go. Um, it's, uh, it might be this tie I'm wearing. If you come here regularly, you know this isn't a, a normal thing, so it could be that. But no, it, it's, it's, uh, it's here every week. But uh, again, I'm so glad that, that you're here. I know in this, in this season, this year in particular, and last year, I'm just, I, I think we all, after the last few years, hopefully have a renewed sense of appreciation for moments like this, where we can gather together, where we can sing, where we can be reminded and, and shaped. And, and my hope is that through our time together, what we're doing in this brief moment, this brief time here together will inform and shape wherever we are right now, whatever we're walking through, and then whatever tomorrow, the day after, next year lo looks like. Um, it, it fits into something bigger. In fact, this, this season is called Advent. And if you're like me and you grew up in a, in, in a home that wasn't necessarily a Christian home, you'd hear things like Advent and assume that was a fancy way of saying chocolate or something. Because I'm like, oh yeah, you get Advent. That means chocolate, right? And then it wasn't until probably a couple years into pastoring that I started to learn, oh, this is what Advent means. And the word means arrival, and this Advent season is a time where for thousands of years, the church, which is God's people gathering together, would set some time apart, aside, to remember an Advent season, which is looking back and remembering the first coming or arrival of Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promise that he would step into the, 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 the painful situation of his People. And it's also a time where his people will look ahead and remember that he promised to return and where we anticipate the second coming or arrival of Jesus. And again, my hope is that in this time right now that we get together, that we can both look back and look forward. And so also these candles that you see up here lit mean something or, or, or remind us of something. And so each week, again, the church has historically walked through a few different um, themes each week during the Advent season, which is the first week right after Thanksgiving through Christmas. 
And what we've walked through is the first week we walked through triumphant hope and then lasting peace, genuine joy, costly love we heard about last week, and then today we learn about or talk about triumphant Christ. And so with that, would you join me in prayer before I, I get into our time together? We're going to, again, briefly look at, kind of pull back the curtains a bit on the story of Jesus, specifically as we see in Matthew chapter 1. But let's pray together first. Thank you for this moment we have right now together, God. Um, I don't know where everyone is coming from. Again, um, probably some are hoping that some store is still open after this so we can get some last minute things or kind of tie some things together or maybe there's a sense of anticipation and excitement or or a sense of maybe sadness and disappointment or maybe a sense of numbness which in many ways can be the worst place to be or some of us may be experiencing all of it Um, i pray that you will speak to us I believe and trust that you speak to us through your Bible, your, your word, through your people. So I, I, again, I pray that you will use this brief moment we have here together this evening to inform our lives and to speak directly to our hearts. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So let's read. Here, I'll uh, have it up here on the screen. And let's read, again, just a few verses about this story that for many of us might be familiar, but maybe even still a little bit confusing. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So this is to inform or again speak into this Christmas season. Even in the very early years of Christianity, right? Shortly after Jesus came and lived and his people would gather together and, and, and there was even then this kind of confusion at times of like, just like us, we could just kind of take some things for granted or move on. And, and so the author of this, his name is Matthew. He was a tax collector. So he was kind of an outsider. He, people kind of shunned, shunned him. He was a, a follower. A per, he knew Jesus personally. And then he wrote this to help inform and remind people the context of what we now call Christmas, right? How did this happen? Why did this happen? And he wants to just remind, and, and I think it's important for us to even, again, kind of pull back the curtains and, and dig into the story, because sometimes Christmas can feel kind of somewhere out there, right? It can be like, how does that really connect with my, my life right now? Well, here's the story, all right? A young teenage gal, which wasn't that abnormal at the time, that in their, that, that, that women specifically in their 
as, as teenagers could be betrothed to be married. And that's a word that we don't use a lot, right? Like when I proposed, I didn't ask, I didn't use the word betrothal in it. I don't know if anyone in here did, but betrothal is like an engagement, but it's actually even more serious. It was legal. It was by the law, a binding relationship that you're entering into. And the fact that this young gal, and we know from other parts of the story, they were, they were very low income. They were both poor. And, and they, they, they are now entering into, this gal is entering into a, a, a legal agreement to be married, and yet she's pregnant, which in that time would be in many ways, in some cases, actually, physically, a de- death sentence. And, and, and if, if nothing else, it was just kind of the end of her, her life in many ways, socially, familially, relationally. This was devastating, right? And yet the author makes it clear there. He says, um, before they came together, uh, we have a multi-generational audience here, so I don't want to force any of us into certain conversations we aren't prepared to have yet, but that means they uh, shouldn't, it shouldn't make sense that she was pregnant yet. And so they hadn't come together uh, yet. And so yet her husband, right, not able to fully get that, or her, her soon-to-be husband, this man that she's betrothed to, Joseph. So he's, he's a man of high character. He resolved to divorce her quietly. So he's thinking about these things. He's considering these things. Look in verse 20 with me here. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel appeared to him in a dream. So just pause right there for a moment. And just again, dig into the story. He's sitting there like I maybe his hands on his forehead, right? Uh, maybe wondering, how, how did this happen? Have, have you ever been in that place before? Have you ever been like maybe Mary who's sitting there thinking, I didn't choose this. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't the way I envisioned my engagement, my betrothal. This isn't the way I envisioned my first pregnancy. I, I didn't plan this. I, I didn't know I was pregnant until I was told I was pregnant by an angel and yet now this guy that I, I was going to marry is, is going to divorce me. Thankfully, he's a high character guy. He's not going to do it publicly. He's not going to shame me. He's not going to have me put to death, which again, c- culturally would happen at that time. But still, she's like, how did I get here? And he's, I didn't envision this, right? We, we know here he's, he's high character and he's thinking, man, what did I do to deserve this? I, I did the best I could. I'm, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm a young, Jewish, hardworking carpenter, right? A blue-collar guy, works with his hands. And yet here he is just thinking he's going to take on some form of shame and, you know, it's on himself and on, on Mary. Have you ever been in that kind of place? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you are experiencing the loss of a loved one. Um, I, that hits home for me in the last couple months or the last couple years for some of us. Maybe the loss of a relationship or a job. My dad, um, I, I thought of him earlier, he would use this phrase, he would say, the wolves are at my heels. And that meant, I just can't make ends meet. 
I can't get away no matter how hard I, I run, no matter how fast I try to go. He was a blue-collar guy. He was a construction worker. No matter how many overtime shifts I take, no matter how many extra jobs on the side I take, another thing breaks, another, another thing. That's been my family. Just this, And this is, I don't want to try to relate right now. This is kind of trite, but like we just discovered our doggy door broke. <laughs> Right, like one of the neighbor kids, we're trying to be nice, and we hosted some of the neighbor kids to watch a movie and eat some pizza, and one of them kicked the dog door. Um, I guess they could have kicked the dog, but um, probably would have been more less upset about that. But so, um, what do you do when your dog door breaks? You give the dog away, right? That's what. So, sorry, sorry, kids. Um, Merry Christmas. No, we'll f we'll fix the dog door, but. That, so I'm like, oh, that's why our heater's been on all night. It was, there's a draft, right? And uh, my wife, right before this, a, a shirt got a hole burned in it by the iron. <laughs> and it happens, right? These things. And just, again, more consequential, um, right? You thought you were getting a Christmas bonus, but you're now enrolled in the Jelly of the Month Club. Some of you know, right? Clark Griswold, anyone? Or again, more significant, um, betrayal. Sadness, brokenness, that, that's like, that's the context of Christmas. Not snow globes and neckties and, you know, I don't know, fruitcakes or whatever the things that we think is the way it should be. It's a perfect Christmas, right? All the songs, many of the songs kind of build that. But that's really not the context of, a, of, of Christmas. It's the wolves are at my heels, I don't know that I can keep going. I don't know that I can slap on a smile. Or it's, this is so great. This year is so good, but I better try to capture it because I know next year might not be as good as this year. You know, that, some of us, that's it. When things are going great, it's, it's great, but it's also like we know that eventually the bottom's going to fall out, whatever it is. And so Christmas for some of us is awesome. It's great. It's exciting. It's sweet. For some of us, it's sad and broken. For some of us, it's numb. For many of us, it's some of all of it. And yet the story of Christmas is to bring us into something bigger. Let's finish what the angel said when he uh, appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Okay, hear, hear, hear me right now. If, 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 if you will even look, look at me. What I want to tell you on this Christmas Eve is that the good news is that it's not all about you, right? That might be, you might be like, who is this guy that, um, <laughs> thanks, Merry Christmas, right? He's an angry elf, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. Someone did joke earlier that I should have been in the kids' choir. Um, that's why I grow out the beard. <laughs> but, but honestly, it's the good news of the gospel, which that word gospel just means good news, is that it's not always about you or me. 
it, it, it's that this Christmas, whatever's going on in your life or in my life, however good or however bad, hear me, it's not ultimate. It's not the end of the story. If it's going incredibly well and you're so excited, you think you finally turned the corner or you've learned enough times, right? Pavlov's, Pavlov's dog, like you've learned enough times, like I don't know, once I get my hopes up, eventually the bottom falls out so you're, there's, a, there's a low grade sense of dread or it's just really hard or wherever it is, it fits into something bigger. Now hear me, that, that's not to be mean. It's not to tell you it doesn't matter. When the angel is speaking to Joseph here, and he's essentially saying, it's not all about you, Joseph. It, it's not to be mean. It's not to be cold. It's not to be like, sadly, maybe many of us have grown to expect Christians or church. It's actually to be comforting and to say, somehow, this really hard situation you're walking through fits into something bigger. Right? He, he goes on and he tells him, name him Jesus for, for he will take away, he will save God's people from their sins. What does that mean? Right? Let, let me just also be honest, right? While we're being forthright and just kind of pulling back the curtains and airing all our dirty laundry, I, I already told you it isn't about you, um, Right, well, what else does, does that mean? What, let's be real, like Christmas is kind of silly if it, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't mean something more. It's like, yeah, the kids are cute, you guys are, good job, thank you, we love you, are so glad you're here, but right, we could have acknowledged the kids are cute at home, we could have taken pictures or worn sweaters, right, we can wear sweaters other times, and what, what, it's like, why do we do this stuff? Again, it's because there's a bigger story. The, the bigger story, what is referred, the true story of the world, the whole Bible that this Christmas story fits into tells a story like this. Let me, let me ask you actually to consider, what if, what if this is actually your story? That God created you. That there is a God who's bigger and wiser and all-knowing. And he's not just far off and distant, but he's purposeful. And when in Genesis, God says, let us make man in our image. And then when we hear in Psalms that God created us purposefully and intentionally, he says, you are knit together in your mother's womb. That God knows every number of hairs on your head, every number of days in your life, every time you will wake up, every time you will lie down, every celebration, every tear shed, God created. And then we got in this place where we are right now where death is real, where loss of job is real, where infidelity is real, where divorce is real, where pain and suffering and poverty and war is real. And that's what the Bible refers to as sin or rebellion. A short way of saying it is it's recognizing that the world is not the way it should be. Is that something we can all agree on? 
it shouldn't be this way. There shouldn't be all the things I just mentioned. Those are enemies. Sometimes we just pretend, right? Oh, I'll try to slap on a smile and pretend because, but that's not honest. That's not loving. But the good news of Christmas is that God didn't leave us there in our mess, but he entered in and he said, I see you. I see your tears. I see your joy. I see your laughing. I see your fears. I see your hopes. I see where you try to find peace. And I'm not just going to leave you there and cheer you on from the sidelines and say, hey, I hope it works out for you. But he enters in. Right? Read and continue on with me in verse 21 through 23. It says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the angel shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This Christmas season is a time where we can recognize, again, hear me. If you hear only a few things, hear this. You're not alone. The good news of Jesus coming and being born as a baby. Emmanuel, God with us, God incarnate, God in the flesh, right? That's why it says conceived of the spirit. He's fully God and then born of a woman, fully human. He sees you. He's with you. He knows you. He loves you. And then he went to a cross. Why did he do that? Why is there a cross right next to a manger? It's because even from the beginning of his life, Jesus was on a mission to undo what we have done. On the cross, he endured punishment. He endured consequence. He endured shame. He endured loneliness, abandonment, suffering of every kind. And then when he hung on that cross, he declared victoriously, it is finished. And then when Jesus died, and he did really die, he was put in a tomb. And then on the third day, on Easter Sunday, he rose again victoriously, triumphantly, so that he can look at his people and say, come to me and I will give you life. I see your pain. I see your suffering. But in this moment, in this time right now on December 24th in 2022, whatever you're walking through, whatever you have walked through, celebrate this Advent season. Look back and remember that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus arrived. The first Advent, he came and then he casts our eyes forward and he says, remember that I will come again. Whatever you're going through right now is not the end of the story. It's not ultimately all about you and your circumstances. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Respond to him, turn to him, find life in him. He sees you, he knows you, he loves you, 
And he wants who he is and what he's done to define your life. In this season and until the final day when he returns and makes all things new. So now the worship team is going to come up as I close our time in prayer and again encourage us to consider these things as we sing these songs and the significance of the triumphant Christ. Let's pray. Again, Father, I, I come before you right now and Lord, we recognize, I recognize, Lord, that again, many of us are experiencing all kinds of different things, joy, grief, or numbness. Lord, some of us are excited. Some of us are, again, somewhere else. But Lord, we're here. We're in this moment. I pray, I pray, God, that you are speaking to everyone in this room. Lord, I pray that somehow you, are, you chose to, to come into this world through a poor carpenter and the woman he was betrothed to confused sad and yet somehow you chose your victorious entry to be in that way it's counterintuitive none of us would have done it that way if we were the author of the story we wouldn't have done it that way lord if we are the authors of our own stories of our own lives we wouldn't be doing things the way that they are right now but here we are, and we look at the cross and the empty tomb, and we know that you are good. So, Lord, I pray and trust that somehow, even through a stuttering pastor on Christmas Eve, Lord, you are speaking to hearts. Lord, I pray that you are changing narratives. Lord, I pray that right now you are gently placing your, your hand on people's chins and turning our gaze toward you. Lord, as we sing these words, joy to the world, let them be true for the entire world and for every person in this room. Lord, give us joy, hope, peace, love, and ultimate victory in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.